I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 62. The underlying issue is knowing what your people's interests, passions, and gifts are. Just understand that when you're looking for volunteers, there's going to be trade-offs no matter who you get. Saying, let's figure out how we can get the best volunteer is you might not know what the best volunteer is. This week's podcast is brought to you by Tithely. Give your church members an easy-to-use mobile giving solution that's ultra-fast. Check it out. Give Tithely a try. Visit tithe.ly and sign up for free in just five minutes. On this week's podcast, we answer three questions submitted by Lisa Severson, including how to go about pulling in church tech volunteers. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Just use the hashtag CMAGCast. And if you want us to answer some of your questions, visit churchmag forward slash riddle hyphen me hyphen this. And we'll consider your topic idea and question for a future podcast. Now, before we get to Lisa's questions, let's take a quick listen to this episode's Church Mag Pro Tip on designing a better bulletin with Jonathan Mall. Hi, guys. Jonathan Malm here with a quick ministry tip. Today's tip is actually a list of tips on how to design a better bulletin. Now, that is if you decide your church still needs one of those. Some churches are doing away with them completely. So the first tip, decide who the bulletin is for. Is it for guests, regular attendees, both? Deciding who it's for will help you decide what information goes in there. Too often it's easy to just stuff the bulletin full of useless information, but decide the audience and ask if each piece reaches that audience effectively. Second tip, white space. Don't cram the bulletin with so much information and so many pictures that people don't want to read it. Give some room for the eyes with margins and spacing. Third tip, reduce, simplify. Remove any excess information and provide only the information people need. You don't want the bulletin to feel like an exploding prank peanut can when a guest picks it up. More information is not better. It's just more cluttering and more encouragement for people not to read it. Fourth tip. Prioritize information. Put the most important information as headlines and the least important information as small text. People should be able to glance at the bulletin and quickly figure out everything contained. Finally, Use consistent fonts and colors. Don't go crazy with either of those. It'll make it much more visually appealing. Well, that's today's tip. I want to encourage you to check out my two books for church creatives. The first one is Created for More, a 30-day devotional to help you start seeing your life more creatively. And the second one is Unwelcome, 50 ways you can make your church more welcoming. Grab them on Amazon or iBooks. All right, Eric Dye here along with... No, you know, I don't necessarily have to do the introductions because we already did the introductions, but I don't know, how, know any other way to start the podcast. We're totally in his head now, Jeremy, on this. Totally in my head. So I'm Eric, and we have Phil. No, wrong order. We have Jeremy and Phil. <laughs> you sound defeated now. <laughs> All right, well, we, we have some shout. We have a couple of shout-outs via the hashtag CMAGCast, and for those of you that haven't been playing along this whole time, basically, if you tell us where you're listening from using the CMAGCast hashtag, then Phil will give you a shout-out using the accent of your region. And so, first off, we have uh, this week, Christy, who would like a Seattle shout-out, and she said that that it's a sip of the coffee and later, with raised eyebrows peeking over the cup. So, um, Phil, can you do this? Okay, you ready for this? Here we go. I'm so ready. Here we go. Later. Dude, that was epic. That was amazing. I was going for I was going for dispassionate as well. You know, 
I've never been to Seattle, but part of me feels as though I've been there now because of how well you pulled that off. Thank you, Christy. I want the mayor of Seattle. That's how good that was. Mm -hmm. Now, Nathan Smoyer, who uh, is the Beacon Ads dude, he's really cool. I follow him on Instagram. He does uh, awesome stuff with bikes and junk. And he said to me, because of what I said last week, he said, it's dry here and not everyone's a hipster. Hashtag PNW, which would be Pacific Northwest, um, because I made the comment that it's always raining and that um, everyone sounds depressed or something or emo. I don't know. Something that had to do with that. And so I, I stand corrected. So if you can maybe maybe rectify that a little bit, Phil, and give Nathan his dry, non-hipster Pacific Northwest shout out. Sure. Bella, I love you. But I'm a vampire. <laughs> Nathan apparently is a vampire on a bike doing some pretty rad tricks. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's that's the deal. Is that Seattle or, or, or Washington State is essentially it's either, it's either hipsters, coffee drinkers, coffee drinking hipsters, or vampires, mm-hmm. and the and the women they love. Right, says Phil from the Midwest. Yep. All right, so. We have been asking people to uh, send us questions, and if you want to send us a question, any question, Phil's shoe size, our favorite to-do apps to get things done, you can go to churchmag forward slash riddle me this, and there are spaces that you can then put the hyphen in, so it's like churchmag forward slash riddle hyphen me hyphen this. It seems pretty straightforward if I just say churchmag forward slash riddle me this. Isn't that pretty much accepted how that works, guys? Am I being too, too, like precise with this, telling people to use the hyphens? Help me out here. Sadly, no. People get mixed up. Okay. So it's it's HTTP <laughs> colon forward slash forward slash CH Wait, wait. We're not using the HTTPS? We're, guys, I'm concerned. An- anonymous, yo. Come uh, on. Oh my gosh. So go to Church Mag. Do a forward slash riddle hyphen me hyphen this and you can ask your questions there and recently lisa severson uh sent us some questions and i realized i didn't tell people where to put where they were from i now realize that maybe i should have because it would be kind of fun to know where exactly she was uh, from but nonetheless she asked a couple different questions now she is the communications director at a medium-sized church which is approximately medium-sized and her first question is I'd like to move my project request from being casual meetings where we take notes about the ministry is looking for to something more formal, perhaps involving an online project request form. Any suggestions on effective platforms for this? And like immediately I thought, well, what would ChurchMag do? And what would ChurchMag do? We would use uh, our gravity forms that we already use on ChurchMag, set up a form, and we would have it set. It'd be ready to go. But... Uh, Gravity Forms um, is not a free solution, and a medium-sized church might would like something that was um, a little bit more cost-effective. While it wouldn't be as streamlined, it wouldn't necessarily have to be quite as streamlined. Uh, Guys? I think Google Forms is the way to go. Um, I've used Google Forms uh, as a teacher. I've used it as a pastor. I've used it for a variety of things, and I think it works works perfectly well. Have you used it at all, Jeremy? Yeah, uh, I think it, the autocomplete stuff that ha- that comes with Google, I think, is extremely useful. So I would highly recommend it because if you're already using Google products, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, it's just a simple integration. 
Yeah. Now, I'm, uh, we're using the Google Forms with uh, OpenChurch um, for people that want to send application applications, and we get an email notification that says the form has been filled out. You go in, and it, it, dumps, it dumps the information into into the sheets like an Excel spreadsheet within Google Docs and it has like the timestamp and everything and so it, it collects the information there for you automatically so it's really you know really slick and easy that way so definitely Google Forms uh, is a great free solution that you, that, uh, that she could use and um, uh, you can also I think you can copy the code and even embed it in even just a WordPress mm-hmm. page too. So you can even have it embedded in your website as well, which is really nice. I've used I've used it that way most often actually. It's just an just an iframe. Well, if it's good enough for Phil, it's good enough for me. There you go. All right. Her second question is I'm realizing there aren't enough hours for our small team to fully accomplish things like photography, reporting, social media and graphic design. <gasps> To the extent that she'd like. Um, she, she asked, have uh, have any great ideas on engaging an effective team of volunteers in these areas? I'm a little nervous knowing the complications of pulling in volunteers. Woo! Wow. This is this is like practically a podcast subject all, it's all on its own, and that is how to get volunteers. Because that's essentially what this question is. How to get, how to, how to get volunteers. So you're a medium-sized church. Uh, you need some help in these areas. What, what do you think the first steps forward should be start conversations with people and it doesn't have to be people that are good at tech it doesn't have to be conversations with people that are not already volunteers like you don't have to go looking for the brand new volunteer that is 100 percent committed to your part of the ministry but i think you just need to have conversations with people because your best resource is going to be other people in the church and Somebody on Twitter was just recently talking about the fact that if you don't ask questions for volunteers, it's just not going to happen. Actually, I think a blog post. And, and so just simply being able to get the volunteers means you need to put yourself out there. And a lot of times people don't put themselves out there. They're not willing to risk whatever it is that might happen. And I think that that's a, a fallacy and that's a shortcoming for you and your church that you won't be able to get the volunteers you need. Another thing about the volunteer aspect, in my experience, is that a lot of people don't volunteer because they've never been asked. And and asking in the bulletin and asking from the pulpit isn't isn't really the ask that they're looking for. They're actually waiting for somebody to walk up to them and ask them personally. Um, it's just it's an interesting dynamic. It is what it is, and so work with that the best you, the best that you can. And so while you know doing it from the pulpit and in the bulletin, you you probably should be doing those things as well. Look out into your congregation and and really thoughtfully think about you know who who could do what. You know, ask around. You know, does somebody interested in photography or somebody or is there someone in the church that does it that's really good at it? And, and a lot of times it isn't necessarily the pro. Uh, in your church either it's it's the up and coming amateur that really would love uh, a project you know really love some direction that they can really work and hone in on their skills as well Uh, and i think that the problem with saying let's figure out how we can get the best volunteer is you might not know what the best volunteer is because i know when i was leading a team on a small church the best volunteer for me was the soccer mom that didn't have any other job and wanted to contribute to the church. They didn't want to commit to something big that they may have to back out of later, but they wanted to commit to something that they could do, go all in on their own time and then commit one hour a week to the actual church or one hour a month if 
we had a big enough team, which we did at the time. Yep, my, my two my two um, biggest volunteer um, pool, so to speak. Uh, first was the youth. Um, youth love the tech. You know, it gives gives them some, they're 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 active. They want to do things, and it it was a perfect fit. And so that really helped give me a, a decent foundation to you know start building a team and setting up schedules and stuff like that. It really felt like though the tech team really began to take on to the next level when um, I begin to get couples in there. So like the husband would run the soundboard and then his wife would do the slideshow. And it was like a really cool time for husbands and wives to serve together. Um, it was just, it, it was really, really cool. Well, I think the there's a greater issue here. I don't want to get too off topic and get too meta with this, but I think too, the, the underlying issue is knowing what your people's interests, passions and gifts are. You know, and that's part of the I think part of the, part of the problem is that we'll many times we're looking for um, either warm bodies or we need an expert, quote unquote, kind of like what Jeremy was speaking to. An amateur will generally actually will do better than an expert because an expert wants to do it their way, and an amateur will learn how you're already doing it, and they'll offer a new perspective on how to perhaps make it better. But I think that mm-hmm. the problem here is that most churches don't necessarily know. Um, They've got all these slots to fill, and they don't know which person in their church has been finally shaped by God to fill that spot. And I don't think that we need to look for the ideal church tech leader. I know that Lifeway just did an article identifying what the ideal church tech leader is. And if you can find that, excellent. Kudos to you, um, because everybody needs a second in command. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have have to be the perfect person in your spot. It needs to be the perfect person for that specific role. And you can eventually develop those skills. Skills can be learned, but habits and everything else has to be known. And and commitment level. Like, I I would rather take a step down in my quality and have somebody who's committed than have a really polished, good-looking photography and graphic design that is hit and miss all the time. Agreed. Commitment. Not only committed, but they know their... They know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, as well as they reckon, they can be honest with themselves. I think that if you get someone that says, oh, yes, I'm totally committed, and then they just never show up, that's also a problem. And so you need to have them be truly honest with themselves and then therefore honest with you in that process. And that's why I like your idea, Eric, about doing the couples, because uh, you're, you're, you're adding a commitment to their already baseline commitment to each other. It's it's it flows out of that commitment, which kind of sounds a little bit lifetime movie ish. But the, I mean, I like the idea of, um, of of having service flow out of a marriage relationship. And Jeremy, I think you're I think you I thought you're going someplace else with what you said there. But I think there's a um, being honest to themselves. I think an amateur is more like apt to be honest with, okay, this session of photos didn't come out the way I wanted to, or uh, worship didn't mix quite right. Like I wanted to, but I, I'm, I'm learning from what I'm doing. Whereas uh, an expert, I think would be really quick to say, well, I mixed it right. I guess a band is stuck, stunk today. You know, that kind of thing. Or an amateur will, will acknowledge their ignorance and their need to learn. An expert would. Right. Or at least those can be the leanings or the, or the, the added pit falls just just understand that when you're looking for volunteers there's going to be trade-offs no matter who you get and you just need to figure figure out you know realize that because there are trade-offs exactly that just because they're not as polished as 
what you may think you want in your mind that you're, you're going to get some added benefits so that there are definitely trade-offs and i think that we shouldn't think so permanent either like you're not hiring the next pastor for your church for the next 25 years right you might just be getting someone to take photos this summer and i also think that at least to address the question she asked about how to find them it doesn't start it can start with a powerpoint slide but I've seen a lot of churches where that's the only way they recruit is they have something on the the screen whenever people are coming in. And if you want someone that's highly engaged with the church, if you want someone that's just doing more than an introverted technology type of a situation, they'll probably those people will probably come and find you if they really want to serve. But if you want somebody that's outside the mold, I think that you need to recognize that they're probably going to be talking to other people in the hallways. They're not going to be coming into church whenever all the announcement screens are. They're probably back there and, oh, they hear music. I got to get in there. My wife already has the seats. And those are the people you want as well. And a simple presentation slideshow is not going to reach them. Agreed. And, and don't worry too much. I, I, this You got to be really careful about this one. But just hear me out. Don't automatically think that because they don't appear to be really committed to the church that they're not going to be good volunteers because maybe it's that volunteer position that makes the difference in their lives, that makes them that solid rock member at your church, right? That that, that volunteer position is the catalyst to make them that longstanding because you've given them you've given them the value and purpose that they that they that that uh, you know really speaks to them. Well, I think to that end, Eric. I think, and then it's just let's go. Let's take it one step further. Don't be afraid of somebody who's an unpolished Christian. You know, somebody who's a kind of a, a rough believer because this is this is an opportunity need to bring them deep with the church with leadership that can give them accountability and instruction i mean it's it's one thing to bring somebody in who like is openly flouting like oh, i know i shouldn't do this but i don't really care what you think that you might be inviting problems <laughs> in general but you can hey you always give it a try you know like i, I this is off topic but give it I me mean, What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, it's going to get might get bad for a little while. Okay, we'll give it give it a try. Uh, we we did some social media stuff this weekend, and it kind of some of it broke badly, but we give it a try. If you give people a try, if it breaks bad, be be strong enough and bold enough to say, you know, this is not quite working out the way we wanted it to. We need to try something different, or maybe we should have you uh, volunteer in another area. But give people a try. Right. I think it's harder to find someone than it is to fire someone. That being said, if you fire someone from a volunteering position, and I think you should fire many different people from volunteering positions, you have to own that. You have to be willing to recognize that they're not in a healthy place for themselves and they're, and you're not going to be getting the most out of ministry from them. But it's better to hire on than it is to just let the ministry sit there and rot because you don't have the volunteers. Right. And, and I found that my great, the experience that I had with my text team was my greatest recruitment tool were the recruits themselves. So once I got one other person to, to run things with me, we set up a schedule and, uh, you know, it was juggling back and forth between us. And I said, you know, if we got enough volunteers, then we would only have to do this once a month. Right. 
or if somebody is sick or there's vacation or something like that, it's it's never a stress to anybody to slide in and fill that spot. And so between that and just relationships with other people, because, you know, I have you know, X number of contacts with people, they have X number, you know, you, you've, you've successfully multiplied yourself, discipleship, hello, that's what we should be doing anyway, right? And, and, you know, the more volunteers that you can train and build out and you have positive experience and you begin to build that team, you get a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, of, of um, it, it's a kind of a, a snowball effect. And so if you can just get past that first, getting that first volunteer on board, I think that you'll begin to see a little bit more of an explosion. And before you know it, you'll have to get two dozen donuts and Two dozen donuts is always superior to one dozen donuts. I think we can all agree with that. About donuts with ministry, why would you bring that up? Because <laughs> it bugs you. That's a, a sore. It's a sore spot for Jim. Still, all these years later, don't hey, don't touch that. I don't care how difficult my week has been with getting in arguments with people. I will defend my anti donut ministry until I die. What's the anti donut ministry? I, anyway, I forgot. I just remember he, you sees, had- he sees this tension between like the donut money and the and the tech investment money like donuts are always hoarding in on this ability to update computers at the church Uh, it's all about me let's make me feel good because i need my donuts for today not for the church to do evangelism sometimes i'm hungry in the morning jeremy and i need a dozen or two donuts to get me going okay (laughs) just (laughs) knock it off okay you're just a hater go eat some bread Eat some bran flakes and leave us alone. I, I just I just brought it out of love because I you know appreciated what everybody did. My own money. I just brought donuts. Plus, I wanted donuts. And you brought your own donuts to to your ministry team. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, I like donuts. Yeah, you're great, dude. You're awesome. That, that I love. And you know, I'm pretty sure in America you can get like a dozen donuts for like what ten cents or something. If memory serves me right. <laughs> uh, that's a big no there. <laughs> Or in some church tech ministry budgets, right there. I'll put, I'll put it like this. I'll put it like this. I'm pretty sure if you brought your ministry team donuts currently in the U.S., if you brought them two dozen donuts every week at the end of the year, you could have bought two iPhones. I do. I will say this. I did have a ministry budget and something that I personally tie is for, where every sing, we would get together once every two months and have a training. And so it wasn't just a normal meetup. We would talk a little bit about what's going right and wrong, but we'd also be cross-training, and I'd be encouraging them to expand on their own intellect of their positions. And I would buy them coffee every single time. And so but that was only a commitment once every two months. But it was something where I would say, I, I love my volunteers, and I think you should keep moving forward. And I think that that also adds to the recruitment process. And whenever your volunteers feel loved, they are going to let everybody else know that they feel loved. And so they're going to advocate for your ministries. D- depending on everyone's different love language, too, that, that plays a part in it as well. I mean, you have, you're going to have different, different uh, ways to communicate that. So don't just, don't just like hook in with donuts and stick with donuts. Like, you know, you can praise them. Uh, I think the subtext here is if you want to get volunteers, Create an environment that is inviting to volunteers. It creates a team sense of sense, sense of team unity to where your volunteers become your recruitment agents. Mm-hmm. And I also think that you need to get in good with the pastor because most of the people probably come to the pastor saying, "Hey, I want to volunteer. Where should I go?" And if you're 
in a good rapport with your pastor, then he might be able to shuffle people your way as well. Not that you just... Well, I mean... I am the copy, yeah. You could buy him donuts. Always, yeah, always make your needs known to the pastors because they, they've they got... I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, Jeremy, too. When I'm thinking this volunteering question, I'm thinking somebody on staff because uh, we... we um, Generally, we don't run our volunteer. Like we 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 help funnel people to volunteering positions. Although we're trying to empower our people, our our, our lay leaders to recruit their own volunteers and that kind of stuff. And so, I think always involve your pastor because you never know who's already come to them and said, yeah, I'm looking for a place to serve. And pastor's like, well, I'm, I'll keep my you know, my eyes open. And then you walk up to him and say, hey, pastor, we're looking for a new sound guy. Hey, I've got somebody already in mind. So I think that with that Lifeway Church, they also suggested that the possibility of going out and actually doing a personality test for your church leaders, which is a great idea because you'll quickly realize how they're going to mesh with your team. So I love the idea of just being able to empower them in that way as well of, of what are your gifts? And this is something that you can take outside of the church as well of just being able to own that both for your marriage and your professional life, as well as just trying to do stuff within the ministry too. So I guess the answer for her is also just to be able to honor the volunteers you already have and keep, keep serving them well. Awesome. Well, Lisa had one last question um, directed towards me here. She said that uh, her and her husband would love to know the secret to successful in making a move to Italy. We wonder, is it just a romantic notion or a realistic possibility? Now, I don't know is that I'm the best person to ask that question, not, not because, I mean, I do live here in Italy, so in that sense, I'm a good person to ask. I say that I might not be the best person to ask is because my wife, um, uh, her father's Italian. She's Italian, so she has Italian citizenship as well as all my kids. And so I'm able to have permission to live here because of that. Um, if you're both American, so if, if neither of you have uh, European Union uh, citizenship or, or, or whatever you want to call it, then you're going to have a harder time because you need to be, when you come here, you're going to need to be able to um, uh, file for your permission to live here. And so to do so, you're going to need to be able to show, um, you know, that you're, that you have a job here and, you, and, and these kind of things. Whereas I, all I have to do is say, Hey, my family lives here and I'm automatically in. So it's a lot easier for me. Um, purchasing uh, houses, getting a place to rent, owning an automobile, all that is leaps and bounds easier for me because my wife is Italian. And so being an Italian citizenship, you have um, lots of advantages that you're privy to. So, um, Like free pizza? Is it like free pizza? Shh, we don't tell. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Some things are secret, Phil. That's one of them. <laughs> Coffee. Um so, a romantic notion, realistic possibility. Um, my gut says romantic notion, but if you really want to do it, Lisa, you'll find a way. Thank you for joining us this week. We always love having you. If you want to hear Phil do his best accent from your part of the world, just tell us where you're listening from and use the CMAG hashtag, and Phil will do his best to break the podcast. So far, so fun. Until next week. Do you have any jokes that you can that you can share with the rest of the podcast? Well, I'm considering that. Well, <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> Not really. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> Grow a beard. They said. Go to Italy. They said. <laughs> I to these people. Whoever the whoever they are. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on Buzzsprout.com. I assume everything you write, Jeremy, is about me. So.